Many are happy to be in the house of the Lord. Can you say amen? amen? I want to say that our members meeting is for anyone who considers Lineage Church your home church. Uh, even if you haven't gone through our membership process, which we actually stopped during the pandemic, which we're getting ready to restart very soon. But if you consider Lineage Church your home church, you are welcome to join us for the members meeting. Uh, we're going to do a whole uh, finance uh, thing, and we're going to vision cast for the future. We're going to talk about what's coming next. So next Sunday, 1245 p.m., that's going to be important. We're also going to stream it online uh, for those of you who are on the, uh, on the online campus, and we'll make a way for you to have access to that as well. Uh, so that's going to be a very important thing, so please be here next Sunday for that. Okay, this is, uh, is this part five? Yeah. This is part five of our Unstuck series. I want to draw your attention to the book of 1 Peter chapter 1, beginning at verse 22. 1 Peter chapter 1, beginning at verse 22. Have you been enjoying your community group meetings? By the way, if you're not in a community group yet and you're like, what's a community group? Well, it's not too late to join one. It's not even too late to start one. Honestly, you can start one today. You can join one today. It's, 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 you can start at any time and start with session one and uh, go straight through. Matter of fact, my community group, uh, we've only had two sessions so far, and we're skipping today. Next Sunday, we're going to have our third session. So it doesn't matter the order. You can just get in, and you'll get the most out of this series if you join a community group. All right. First Peter chapter 1, verse 22. We're reading from the New International Version this morning. It says, Since you have purified your souls in obeying the truth through the Spirit, in sincere love of the brethren, love one another fervently with a pure heart. I... I used to like the old NIV, the 1984 NIV that says, since you have purified yourselves by obeying the truth so that you have sincere love for the brethren, love one another deeply from the heart. Verse 23, having been born again, not of corruptible seed, but incorruptible through the word of God, which lives and abides forever. Verse 24, because, and here's what we're going to focus on today, all flesh is as grass. Everybody say grass. grass. And all the glory of man is as the flower of the grass. The old NIV says, all flesh is grass and all their glory is as the flowers of the field. The grass withers and the flowers fall away, but the word of the Lord endures forever. Now, this is the word which by the gospel was preached to you. Father, I pray today in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ that you speak to us mightily by the power of your word and spirit. In Jesus' holy name I pray. Amen. One of the things I like to do in the evenings when I'm just kind of cooling down, I used to do it a lot more, was my favorite YouTube channel was, um, I used to watch the show called Grand Designs. And uh, Grand Designs was about these individuals who built their homes. They, had, they all had an idea for a unique home that they wanted to build, and they wanted to build it themselves. And it was either building from scratch or taking an existing home and completely refurbing it, like stripping it down to the studs, completely refurbing it. And that show is amazing. I mean, the, the stories are amazing. Sometimes the episodes are like 45, 50 minutes long. And they show the process from start to finish. They visit the people when they're just at the ideation stage. And then they go all the way through until the end. And they show the final product. And I'll just sit there and watch that in the evening and drift in and out of sleep. I stopped doing it once we got our own home. <laughs> you know, it was like, because I was doing it just imagining, this is what I want to do, you know. 
Well, too late for all that. We bought a home. Uh, anyway, most of the episodes are incredibly inspirational. Most of the episodes, it's like you get to see this beginning, middle, end. And it's like there's joy in the beginning, there's some stress in the middle, but then there's greater joy at the end. It's like, wow, we went through all of this, and here's the finished product. But there was one episode that really struck me. This guy, I actually identified a lot with this guy's personality. He not only wanted to build his own house, but he developed his own construction methodology. And he actually had to invent new machinery in order to do this methodology. And he actually had to go to China to have the machines made and then have the machines shipped over from China. Sorry, right, look at me. Uh, don't look at the enemy. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> inside joke, inside joke. And so um, you watch this guy and he's running like a, and he wanted to oversee, he didn't hire a foreman for the construction crew. He wanted to be the foreman because he wanted to make sure that the machines that he had invented and built function properly. And so he's running around the construction scene like a chicken with his head cut off and he's trying to do everything because he's got this tremendous vision and only he can fulfill it. And the whole process, there were all these delays and I mean, they start digging down and they find a certain kind of rock that couldn't even be excavated and there was no place to take it. The quarries wouldn't take it and it took them almost a year to figure out what to do with that rock. And then the rainy season started so they had to wait for that to end before they could. And then there was all these glitches and he, you could just see him. It's like he's running around with the chicken, like a chicken with his head cut off, you know, and he's, he's trying to solve problems and he's running around the, and everybody's telling him, bro, Calm down, calm down. But he was so focused on fulfilling his vision. He was so focused on seeing his dream come true that everything else in life took a backseat to that goal. And the result was that in the middle of the construction process, he had a stroke and was bedridden and his wife had to take over. And they come at the end of the episode, and half of his body is about 75% shut down. He's alive, but he can barely walk. And they said, look at this house. Your dream came true. He said, yes, but at what cost? He said, I would rather not have this house and have my health. Yes, I got my dream, but at what cost? I want to ask you a question this morning. Wow. At what cost? Wow. At what cost? You see, there's two extremes, isn't there? Yeah. The one extreme is the extreme of extreme passivity, where you're so depressed about yourself and about your life that you don't even have any dreams. You're so depressed about your future prospects that you try not to think about it. You're simply trying to drown out your sorrows today so that you don't have to waste any time lamenting about the fact that you have no hope for tomorrow. And if that's where you are, you need to be activated and encouraged. You need to come alive to the fact that God has plans for you that are good, plans to give you a future and a hope. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. But on the other extreme are individuals who are hyper-focused yeah. 
hyper-focused on excellence and success and anxious because it has to be that there's something on the inside of me that says I've got to become great and there's something great that God has destined me for and I would do anything to lay hold of that greatness and I would stop you and say, anything? I wouldn't do anything. Most of the evils in the world, many of the evils in the world are committed by people who would do anything to become successful. Crimes are committed by people who would do anything to become successful. Fraud is committed by people who would do anything to become successful. Even murders are committed by people who would do anything to become successful. I read read an article about a politician in India and he and his wife, they had this plan and he was going to rise up to the top of the totem pole in Indian politics and his wife, their strategy was his wife was going around sleeping with people, higher politicians so that he could get in good and And he found out after a number of years that his wife was actually trying to start her own political career. And so he strangled her and put her in an incinerator because the both of them would do anything to succeed. Success was their highest value. It was their number one priority. There's a passage of scripture about a guy who built a city, but at the cost of the life of his firstborn son. He was willing to even sacrifice his own children for the opportunity to succeed. Today, we need to take all of this stuff that we've been talking about the vibrant future that God has for you, the plan to prosper you and not to harm you, to give you a future and a hope, the idea that there is a unique version of excellence and of greatness that rests over every life, that there's a greatness that is unique to you that no one can fulfill but you. But we need to put all that in context, don't we? Peter says... All flesh is grass. That's all you are, is grass. All flesh is is grass. And their glory, when he's speaking of their glory, he's speaking of everything that your life will produce. All of the greatness and the, the success, it's just like the flowers of the field. The problem with grass is that it withers. And the problem with flowers is that they fade. Matter of fact, Peter is actually quoting the prophet Isaiah from Isaiah chapter 40, verse 7, where the prophet says, All flesh is grass, and their glory is as the flowers of the field. The grass withers, and the flowers fade. And then the prophet Isaiah gives us a phrase that Peter forgot. Because the breath of the Lord breathes on them. Isn't it interesting that in Genesis chapter 2 verse 7, God's breath gave Adam life. But in Isaiah chapter 40 verse 7, God's breath kills stuff. The breath of God gives life and the breath of God also puts things to death. 
which means that God has determined a time to give life to your vision, but he's also determined the time to put it to death. All of the Apostle Paul's churches, you ever gone, you ever heard anybody talk about going to that revival in Ephesus? You visited the church at Corinth recently? Anybody planning a field trip to the field trip to the church at Philippi? All those churches, one day God just breathed on them and they withered and died. Because God knew this thing has a shelf life. Everything you and I do has a shelf life. Everything we build has a shelf life. And we have no idea how long that shelf life is. Your life is but a vapor. But a sigh. The scripture says your life is but a sigh. (sighs) That was your life. In comparison with eternity, your life is but one breath. God inhales and exhales one time. (sighs) And your life is over. You're just grass. And your glory is like the flowers of the field. It's here today, gone tomorrow. The grass withers and the flowers fade. This is a very encouraging message, isn't it? I'm ready to go out and get them now. But he says, the word of our God endures forever. The word of our God endures forever. The grass withers, the flowers fade, the word endures. The grass withers, the flowers fade, the word endures. Contextualize. What is the primary strategy for excellence and success that God gives in Scripture? What did God say to Joshua? This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth. You're going to meditate on it day and night. You're going to teach it to your children. You're going to obey everything written in it. So you shall be successful and prosperous in everything you do. What's the strategy? Give Give heed to the word of God. Why? Because what you do may not last forever, but the word does. And so if you begin with the number one priority of connecting yourself to the word that endures, what happens is if you connect yourself first and foremost to the word that endures, then in everything you do, you are going to inject the word of God into it. Which means that even if the thing you do fails, the word injected into it lives on. Let me tell you what I'm talking about. Even if this church comes to an end and one day there will be no more lineage church. There will always be the church of Jesus Christ, but there will not always be lineage church in El Cerrito, California. But even if lineage church died tomorrow, the word that you have received is going to live on in your hearts. The organization may not survive, but the word will survive because you can't kill the word. If you've raised up your children in the fear and admonition of the Lord and you've taught them the word of God from the time they're young, even if they rebel, there's a word, a seed on the inside of them that they can't put to death. They can't kill it. Even if your relationship doesn't survive, they cannot kill the word of God that you have planted, inserted on the inside of your life, which means that the most important thing you can do for your children is teach them the word of God from the time they're young. Even if I'm not here anymore, the word that I gave her is there. And it can't be taken away. 
Come on, somebody. The word of God endures forever, which means here's what tends to happen with Christians is we finally discover that God has a future for us and a hope. We finally discover that God has destined us for great things. And when we begin to believe that, we begin to rise up in our imagination above our current state. We begin to envision things that are great and mighty. We begin to turn to the Lord in desperation. We begin to call upon him and he begins to answer us and show us great and mighty things which we did not know. And then we take a step out into the unknown. We take a step of faith and God confirms our faith. And I've seen this happen to so many believers where you get blessed and you get prospered and all of a sudden you got no more time for the word. You got no more time for church. You got no more time for worship. You got no more time for seeking the face of God. You got no more desperation for Jesus. It was wham, bam, thank you, ma'am. Thank you, Jesus. Got what I need. See you later. See you, and I wouldn't want to be you. Not realizing... (laughs) That what is, what is acquired by faith must be maintained by faith. Amen. Don't you realize, what did the prodigal son discover? That the blessings of the father could not remain in his life outside of the father's house. That the blessings that he acquired from the father were only safe as long as as he resided in the house of the father. And that when he took the blessings and fled the house, the most loving thing the father could do for him was wither the blessing to bring him back to the house. The most unloving thing the father could do is leave you out in the field of blessing, in the unknown country of blessing, when you fled the house. If he leaves you there and doesn't destroy your blessing to bring you back to his house, that's called judgment. Sometimes the definition of judgment is when you're blessed in the place of backsliddenness and that blessing does not decrease. Anchoring in the word, starting with the word, anchoring in the spirit and beginning in the spirit, continuing in the spirit is the strategy, not just for acquiring the blessing of the Lord, but for maintaining your vital connection with the blessor. Now we go back to this passage in first Peter, he says, since you have pure, first of all, we look at verse 24 and 25. He says, uh, look at verse 24, throw it up there on the screen. Verse 24 says, because all flesh is grass, meaning that when he says all flesh is grass, he says it because of something else. He wants us to know that all flesh is grass because of something else. Now in verse 22, he says, since you have purified yourselves by obeying the truth so that you have sincere love for the brethren, love one another deeply from the heart. Now verse 23, for you were born again, having been born again, not of corruptible seed, but incorruptible 
When you came to faith in Jesus Christ, you were born again. And you were born again by a seed that was implanted in your spirit. And that seed is not corruptible. It means it, it can't die. Your work is corruptible. The seed is not. And that word seed in the Greek is spermatos. The incorruptible seed of the word of God, which lives and abides forever. Meaning that when God gave you life, when he gave you salvation, when he saved your soul, he implanted his incorruptible seed on the inside of you, and he did so through the word of God. Meaning when you heard the word of God and you believed the word of God and you received the word of God and you trusted the word of God, an incorruptible seed came to live on the inside of you. It's a word that lives and abides forever. You've been born again through the incorruptible seed of the word of God, which lives and abides forever. And then he goes on to say, because all flesh is grass. And their glory is as the flower of the field. Now go back to verse 22. Since you have purified yourselves by obeying the truths, what's the first sign that you purified yourself by obeying the truth? You have sincere love for one another. And then he says, love one another deeply from the heart because you've been born again through the incorruptible seed of the word of God because all flesh is grass. Do you see this? He's establishing a priority. Your priority is love, not success. Not greatness, not excellence. Your priority is love. Not fulfilling your vision, not fulfilling your destiny, not satisfying your dream. Your priority is love. And why is your priority love? Because you've been born again in the incorruptible seed of the word of God. And God is love. And his banner over me is love. And greater love has no one than this. And he laid down his life for his friends. Jesus said, if you want to be my disciples, love one another. By this all men will know that you are my disciples, that you love one another. Your priority is love. Your foundation is love. Why? Because that is the seed of the word of God that lives and abides in you. It's the love of God. The love of God that saved you, that purified you. Your priority is love because you've been born again of the seed of the word of God. And by the way, all flesh is grass. Everything else is grass. Grass and flowers. Everything else is going to wither and die. Your priority is love. Because you've been born again of the seed of the word. And everything else is grass and flowers. Everything else is grass and flowers. Let me tell you why this is important. Because if you start out your journey towards greatness with nothing more than a deep desire for personal greatness, you will end up so deep in the flesh that you won't be able to ever see your way out. Because your whole quest for personal greatness is about me, about my destiny, about my gifts, about my talents, about my dreams, about what I want and what I want to do. And, and, and if you talk to most people and ask, what is your dream for your future? Well, I want and I want and I want and I want to do and I want to have and I want to get and I want to become and I want to do and I want to have. It's grass and flowers. Your whole dream for yourself, for your life, for your future is grass and flowers. May I suggest to you that the person with the greatest destiny who has ever lived, the person who accomplished more than anyone who has ever lived, the person who achieved more, who had the highest level of excellence and success was Jesus Christ. 
And what was his dream? What was his vision? What was his desire? For God so loved the world. This is the foundation of his dream, of his vision, of his passion. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting. His dream, everything about his life and his future was about love. You know why I got a dream? Because I got love. My dream comes from love. My desire of excellence comes from love. My future is rooted in love. Everything that I desire for the future is because I love. Lord, how can you allow me to serve the ones I love? That's my dream for my future. And great dreams can come out of that. But it's not about me accomplishing, me getting, me having, me doing, me overcoming, me, 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 grass and flowers. You know, with all these trophies, look at these trophies I got, grass and flowers. God just goes, and it just withers and dies. But love never fails. Love never fails. What if your dream was motivated by love? How did Paul describe his ministry? The love of God compels us. The love of God compels us, for we are convinced that that one died for all. And since one died for all, all died. And God was in Christ, reconciling the world to himself, not counting men's sins against him. And he's given us the ministry of reconciliation, as if God were making his appeal through us. Therefore, I urge you, be reconciled to God. Paul says, what am I compelled by? Every morning I wake up compelled by love. The love of God, the love of Christ compels me. I'm moved by love. My vision is a vision of love. I get that love from the word. Because the word came in, I'm born again. Because I'm born again, I purified myself by obeying the truth. And the result is I have sincere love for the brethren doesn't mean that I don't go out and try great things. Of course I'm going to go out and try great things because love is a greater motivator than, the, than thirst for success. Love is always a greater motivator than lust. Lust is a craving to satisfy the desires of me. Love is a thirst to make provision for others. To spend my life in the service of others. And love is always a greater motivator than lust. If you could build a company that's worth $10 million out of lust, the same company would be a billion out of love. And it would do good in the world. Come on, somebody. got to change your thinking about your future. Instead of starting with what you want to achieve, start with what God has destined you to contribute. That's so good. Difference. Difference. Yes. Difference. And by the way, it's just a good business strategy. Because which company do you use 
because you just like that company? Or is it because the product is useful for you? Companies that don't think about the customer first don't succeed. I mean, what if the CEO of Apple got on a stage and said, here are my goals for me. You wouldn't even watch another minute of that. But when he says, here's the products I've created for you. Getting me out of the way. Being willing to lay down my life. But how do I do that? I anchor myself in the word. And I go back to that anchor every day. This book of the law does not depart from my mouth. I'm going to meditate on it day and night. I'm going to teach it to my children. I'm going to be careful to obey everything written in it. And I'll be successful. You can't stop my success when I'm anchored in the word. But when I am successful, I'm not moved by that. I'm not overly elated by that. And I'm definitely not impressed by that. Because no matter how successful I become, grass and flowers. But do you know what's going to endure? The word. And I'll end with this as somebody comes to the keyboard and plays softly. Metacrationally. I was was watching this interview with Bill Gates. And the interviewer asked him, what do you fear? As you're getting older, what do you fear the most? And he said, I don't want my brain to stop working. I don't want my brain to stop working. Juxtapose that. My grandmother, 92 years old, the last days of her life, suffered from severe dementia. At times it was comical. You know, my brother had a big afro and he was sitting next to his wife. My grandmother looked at her and then looked at him and then looked back at her and said, listen, is that your mother? <laughs> and then she went back to sleep. At times it was comical, at times it was scary. She got to the point where she didn't recognize any of us. And I would go sit next to her and I would try to talk to her and I would try to remind her memories that I had with her and she couldn't remember any of them. I remember I was so frustrated one day sitting next to her and I suddenly got this idea. I took her hand, I looked in her eyes and I said, the Lord is my shepherd. And she went, I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restoreth my soul. And we quoted Psalm 23 together. Later that day, she was so disoriented, and I took her hand and I said, He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. (laughs) That head started shaking. I will say of the Lord, He is my rock and my refuge. And another time I took her hand, I said, The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? That that head shake is confidence. 
That head shake means there's no fear in me. When everything else fled from her, every other form of knowledge fled from her, you know what couldn't, she couldn't lose? The word. The word. The word. Born again by the incorruptible seed of the word of God, which liveth and abideth forever. That's what the King James Version says. That was the word that brought you life. That's the word that keeps you alive. It's the word that strengthens you. It's the word that encourages you. Peter said that you should crave the pure milk of the word of God so that by it you might grow up in your salvation now that you have tasted and seen that the Lord, he is good. You remember when Jesus walked with those two disciples on the road to Emmaus in Luke chapter 26? They were going the wrong direction and he walked with them on the wrong direction. His intent was to reveal himself to them. But what did he do? It says their eyes were closed so that they couldn't see that it was Jesus walking with them. And what did he do? Starting with Moses and Elijah, he took them all the way through the prophets and showed them everything that was spoken about him there. He took them to the Bible. He took them to the scriptures. I would have just said, look, it's me. You don't got to be in, you don't have to be discouraged anymore. It's me. Look at, look at the nail prints in my hand. Look, check this out. It's me. My dogs. You know what I mean? Like, that's what I would have done. He said, no, 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 no. I'm not going to do that. You know why? Because if I simply reveal my personal presence right now, they'll have an experience they won't be able to remember that in 10 years, in 20 years, in 30 years. No, I'm going to take them to the word. I'm going to anchor their knowledge of who I am in this word, in this scripture, because they can't lose the word. They've got the book. They'll forget an experience. They won't forget the word. So that whenever they feel abandoned by me, whenever they feel alone, whenever they feel forsaken, they can just go back. Go back to the word. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, but yet we esteemed him, spent by God, stricken by him and afflicted, but he was wounded for our transgressions. There's Jesus. There he is. There he is. He's right there in the word. Waiting for me. And there is an agenda of the enemy that is afoot in the world right now. And here's the agenda of the enemy. Here's a strategy. He doesn't mind if you profess to believe in Jesus and even love Jesus. Yeah. But scripture, oh, yeah. he's got to separate Jesus from scripture. Wow. Wow. It's to the extent that I hear, I hear a lot of believers saying it. I believe in Jesus, just not so sure about that Bible. And my next question is then which Jesus is it that you believe in? The Mormon Jesus, they got a Jesus. The Muslim Jesus, they got a Jesus. The Hare Krishna Jesus. They got a Jesus. It's Jehovah's Witness Jesus. They got a Jesus. You want to start a new religion? The first thing you're going to have to do is create a Jesus. In your own image and likeness. Extract from that Jesus the stuff that you don't like. And keep the stuff that you like. And build a religion around that Jesus. And now you can tell everybody, I believe in Jesus. I love Jesus. 
But Jesus, on the road to Damascus, on the road to Emmaus, with those two disciples, he goes, this one, this Jesus, this is me. The one talked about by Moses, the one talked about by Elijah, the one talked about by the prophet Isaiah, the one talked about this Jesus, this one right here. This is the Jesus. The only word of God that we hear and obey in life and death is Jesus Christ as revealed in Holy Scripture. And we hearken not to the voice of a stranger. I believe in the Jesus of the Bible. Not some random Jesus, not a Jesus of my own making, the Jesus of the Bible. On Christ the solid rock I stand, all other ground is sinking sand. And that means that if I want to know that Jesus, I got to go to that Bible. And when I go to that Bible, I go looking for that Jesus. And if you got both of those things in your mind, if I want to know that Jesus, I need to go to that Bible. And if I go to that Bible, I go looking for that Jesus. If you go to the Bible looking for Jesus, you will find him. He's there. He's all over it. He's all up in it. He's in the Old Testament. He's in the New Testament. He's in the law. He's in the writings. He's in the prophets. He's in the gospels. He's in the epistles. He's in the prophetic literature. He's in the uh, apocalyptic liturgy. He's all over it. He's even in the maps. He's in the table of contents. He's in the genealogies. Hallelujah. This is the foundation. This is the foundation. This is the foundation. That's where all of a sudden my faith is activated. And my works are prompted by love and inspired by faith. And now God can fulfill every work that is prompted by love and inspired by faith. Because Christ is my rock. His word is my truth. And his love is my motivator. I can't fail because love never fails. Prophecies, they're going to fail. Tongues, they're going to cease. Just walk around speaking in tongues and prophesying all the time. Tongues are going to cease. Prophecies are going to fail. Knowledge, it passes away. But love never fails love never fails if the love of Christ compels you you can never fail and the only thing that fails the only failure is a failure of love the only way I fail is if I fail to love but if I love I never fail bow your heads and let's pray Hallelujah. Holy Spirit, I sense your presence. You're all up in this place. You're moving on so many hearts right now. You're awakening so many minds. You're attacking and destroying lies. You're establishing truth. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. You're simplifying things that the enemy has confused. You're bringing clarity where the enemy has brought cloudiness and confusion. We thank you that faith works through love. That if you establish us in love, you automatically increase our faith. Faith working through love. And love never 
fails. Lord, it's so unnatural for us to see the connection between your love as our primary motivator and cultivating a vibrant vision for our future. But Lord, it's plain as day. And I pray today, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, that decisions would be made all over this auditorium, that love is going to be my, my priority from this day forward, being anchored, rooted, and established in the love of God. Rooted, that's why you said that the greatest commandment of the law is you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your soul, with all your strength. Love him with your work. Love him with your vision. Love him with your dreams. And on this, and then you love your neighbor as yourself, and on this hang all the law and the prophets. Everything written in the book is fulfilled in these two commands. Love God and love others. I thank you, Holy Spirit, that you're doing a mighty work and great fruit will come from this. I declare great fruit is coming from this. Even great success is coming from this. Some who are frustrated are going to have clarity. Some who have hit walls are going to come up upon open doors. Some who have been demotivated are going to be remotivated, be deactivated, are going to become reactivated. Some who have been hopeless are going to be filled with hope. God, I thank you that great fruit is coming from this word today. Great fruit in the lives of each and every one of your sons and daughters. And I speak blessing and encouragement. Blessing and encouragement over each one. In the name of Jesus and by the power of the Holy Spirit, I speak these things. Amen. Come on, give God a shout of praise and rise to your feet.